This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig on Moose FM. Welcome to the show. A little later on, we're going to be chatting with Wynette Lowe's, the president of the BC Northern Real Estate Board, all about the real estate market in Fort St. John. We'll talk a bit about the past year, what things are looking like this year, and we'll also talk about the assessments. They seem to go way, way up and how that'll impact the market. But first, Hudson's Hope is once again under a boil water advisory and plans are apparently underway to return to river water after significant upgrades to the water treatment plant. We don't know how much it'll cost. We don't know really a timeline on it yet, even after a meeting that was held earlier this week with uh, Hydro and the contractor, uh, along with the district as well. So to talk a bit about the situation, we're joined now by a member of the Hudson's Hope Water Recovery Committee, Amanda Brown. Amanda, thank you very much for being on Moose Talks this morning. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, So let's kind of go back to when we... Start, sort of first had the problems in Hudson's Hope, which was kind of before-ish or, or around last summer when the boil, watery, uh, a boil, boil water advisory kind of first happened. Uh, tell me, how, how were you feeling at the time? Was it concerned that this would go on for a while or were you kind of like, eh, this will probably only last for a few days? No, nothing, nothing big to deal with here. Yeah, we we had no idea that this was going to go on for as long as it had been. Uh, this problem had first been identified back at the beginning of 2020 uh, when the well was uh, completed, and mm-hmm. we knew that this water uh, wasn't going to be sufficient for the town's requirement. Uh, but no movement had really been made. The urgency of coming up with an alternative plan hadn't really been communicated to the community either. And it wasn't until, yes, last summer that we found out how bad uh, this this issue ha- had become. I see. So you had an idea. There was, there was a problem and it had been identified, but you didn't know the extent of the problem essentially till last summer. No, not at all. So, yeah, going into that boil advisory, we thought maybe it's going to last a a week or two, Mm -hmm. not not that three months that it it ended up being. Okay. Well, we we kind of fast forward a bit to uh, just in general. I mean, you you have a family in Hudson Soap. You you live and work there. Uh, What got you to decide that you wanted to be on this uh, water recovery committee that, as I understand it, the district of Hudson Soap sort of. Uh, put together and asked for people to be a part of to sort of help them out in this situation? Uh, yeah, we, we really weren't seeing a lot of movement from our district mm-hmm. on the issue. And it, it's hard for municipal uh, councillors and for mayors. They are so spread on, on so many different issues. And when it comes to water quality, it's a very specific area to learn and understand and having extra support from the community is is very helpful we also do did feel that there needed to be a little bit more pressure for movement uh in them as well so it were support and and a helpful reminder to keep moving forward i see and then since then um you know among the this is what we're going to do uh i.e get some water from chetwin they're providing water the district is uh but there's also been this not tug of war but 
a lot of talk and disagreement about who's responsible for what in terms of is it hydro is it the district who should be paying to sort of fix the issue um can you talk a bit about you know how you see that going forward and how it's been in terms of just maybe even the frustration of seeing it happen and and saying can we just fix the problem and maybe worry about who's at fault if anyone later yeah i hydro agreed to pay for any cost incurred over the last do not consume order Mm -hmm. Uh, so far we haven't seen uh any agreement come in from hydro for taking on um the water distribution draw distribution throughout the community they will be flipping this this big bill for the upgrades to the water plant. Um, it was also their suggestion to go with uh, McElhaney, which they McElhaney has been great with the community and being able to provide more mm-hmm. information. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would like to be able to see a little bit more participation from BC Hydro. We haven't seen a lot of engagement from Site C Hydro for some time across the board. So it's not surprising that we're not seeing it on now our water as well Mm -hmm. i did skip ahead a bit i did want to make sure i asked you a bit about this just because of course we read the news stories here in fort st john about what's going on but i wonder if you could just take us through a bit about the impact that this has had on your family and sort of your day-to-day life uh before you're able to just get water from the tap and everything was fine but now uh it that's not the case so tell us a bit about that how how is this affecting how you live your life in hudson's hope uh, it's, it's really, yeah, it's really challenging. There's, there's so many, uh, I have two young children, mm-hmm. uh, so trying to make them not drink water out of the tap when it's assumed that we would have clean drinking water can be really challenging. Uh, last summer we, uh, the kids drink out of the hoses, so they mm-hmm. were drinking out of hoses at times and it's hard to supervise in every single little moment. So my kids got sick a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, my kids are not the only ones who, who got sick. Um, there's also uh, just that rotation of, of going and having to pick up water and make sure you always have water, um, really micromanaging your consumption in it. And uh, like that perpetual dehydration starts coming in when you know you have to ration that bottle of water to make it to like the next day when the district is going to be opening to distribute more water or else paying a lot of money for bottled water from uh, from the corner store or the grocery store. And so it doesn't really matter. Like you are, we are taking on our own costs to it, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's just paying for extra bottles or I know some people are having um, wear on their appliances. If you have a hot, wa- uh, hot water on demand tank, there's already seen um, issues with that. And a lot of people are questioning how this is going to wear on their hot water tanks, their dishwashers. And um, we'll see if maybe we get some sort of relief from that. I'm not sure that's going to be a little bit more challenging, but yeah, I mean, on an emotional level, it's, it's challenging, like as a, as a young parent or live and living rule um, to just take on yet another responsibility to just make sure that your kids are drinking water. Like that's just not something that, you would think we would have to be concerned with at this point in, in um, our society, but uh, yeah, it's, it's really, it is really concerning. I, I feel that there's responsibility on our provincial government for not taking in 
the citizens' uh, health into more concern when they're approving all of the projects that we see going mm -hmm. on in the piece. And that uh, cumulative impact is definitely starting to um, add up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about this meeting uh, that happened the other night. I guess the district was there, McElhaney was there, and it was sort of, here's the plan going forward. But it seemed to be short on a lot of details as in a timeline and as certainly uh, uh, the money. I don't know if you were at the meeting, but I, I imagine you kind of know the details. Uh, tell me what you thought of that. Is Are you happy that there's a plan to return to the river uh, as a source of water now? Or are you just frustrated that there's still, well, great that it's going to happen in the future, but we'd sure like to know when and, and, and sort of when we can prepare to maybe return to some normalcy here. Yeah, I was able to watch the uh, meeting uh, on live stream, which was great that our district has finally caught up with the rest of the municipalities in streaming their meetings. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, yeah, there was not there was some good detail in there. Like it, it is nice to be able to see some experts coming in and talking about the matter. But he alluded to some timelines for parts arrival, but not really any completion date. We've seen some high-level numbers as far as budget costs, but no breakdown in it. Um, Matt, uh, who was the presenter at the at the meeting, he did say they had ample time to be able to, they had put ample time in managing this project, but we don't know what the breakdown looks like. And that's that's a frustrating part right there. It would be great to see a little bit more of a budget breakdown and how that budget is going to be used. Uh, and then just some proposed timelines. I, I, I totally understand that projects can uh, sometimes not be met on those times, but we need to have at least a schedule put out. And then if that schedule isn't met, justification as to why that schedule is not met. Mm -hmm. Um. I suppose my next question would be is is when it comes to this water treatment plant, because as I understand it, it's significant upgrades are needed for it to transfer from what it does now to what it can do uh, to kind of make it work. So, um, I mean, were you even kind of ballparked? Is this still years in the making we're talking about that the District of Hudson's Hope is going to be uh, essentially get it, get, delivering water to its residents? Or, or is it more realistic to think that maybe early next year, even late this year, there might be something happening? Or do you have no idea? Um, yeah, Matt had mentioned that there was going to be uh, a, a late March, early April in delivery of some parts, okay. but installation after those parts wasn't, there wasn't a timeline. And I'm not familiar with the technical components of a water treatment plant. So I don't know what it means when you get those parts and how long it takes to install them. So uh, there, yeah, I, it would be nice to just see something written down as well. Just not, that's a verbal, that's verbal communicated information in a meeting. We need to start seeing something on paper. I guess that leads to my last question. Then I, I, I suppose this committee still meets every once in a while uh, and, and sort of discusses what they're going to do. What What's kind of the next step here? Is it continue to pressure the council to, tell us the day that this is going to happen and whatnot and, 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 and make it happen, I suppose. Yeah, that, I mean, that's really the biggest thing that we can do at this, uh, at this point is just be able to help, um, 
push a little bit for some more information on how this project is going to be managed. I understand it takes a while for parts to be able to uh, to come about, but early stages of project proposals, you should be able to come up with those those pieces of information. So that that will be the next stage here. Okay. Well, and then sorry, and then continuing to just make sure that this that this comes to light and that people are are aware that this is going on. I talked to a lot of people in neighboring communities, and nobody knows that this is going on in Hudson's Hope. So thank you so much for bringing um, attention to this. But as well, you're very welcome, Amanda, and we're, we're really appreciative that you took a few minutes to chat with us today. We'll, of course, be uh, continuing to follow this story closely, and uh, hopefully we'll see a return to some normalcy in your water situation at some point uh, later this year. Amanda, thank you so much for giving us some time uh, with us to, this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. That's Amanda Brown, a member of the Hudson's Hope Watery, uh, Water Recovery Committee. We'll be right back to talk all about real estate with Wynette Lowe's right after this on Moose Talks. Welcome back. I'm Dub Craig. Now we're going to talk a bit about the real estate market in the past coming up this year. And uh, those assessments looking at property values going up about 7% on average here in Fort St. John. So to chat all about that, we're joined now by the president of the BC Northern Real Estate Board, Wynette Lowe's. Wynette, welcome back to Moose Talks. Good morning, Dub. How are you this morning? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for taking a few minutes uh, to chat with us. So uh, let's talk about the real estate market last year. Um, I'd heard that kind of in general, it was a little bit cooler than normal last year. But was that kind of the case for Fort St. John too? Absolutely. We stayed pretty strong first half of uh, 2022. Mm -hmm. But as interest rates started to climb and there was talk about, uh, and then of course, inflation and the cost of living, yeah. we did see a slowdown you know, mid halfway point. Uh, so, you know, I mean, overall 2022 ended up like we had about a 20% decrease in sales, but really started to take effect in the summer. We were first half was fine. You know, it was pretty strong. actually. Mm -hmm. were, were you hearing from clients or pr prospective clients even who that, uh, you know, it maybe said, I want to sell my house this year and then kind of went, ah, you know, Actually, maybe I won't. And same for the other side, buyers who were maybe on the market that then decided, ah, maybe I'm going to wait just to kind of see how things turn out, I guess, eh? And that's exactly what happened. Started late spring, early summer uh, with the interest rates the way they were. It definitely, people became more cautious. Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't sure if now was the time to get in the market. People who were looking started to back away a bit and, you know, question um, the feasibility of it, maybe just wait it out, you know, see what happens. So that's what led to some of the decrease, you know, in the sales, just more caution in the market mm -hmm. to be on, uh, to be frank. And same with sellers, sellers. I don't, I didn't really see a difference in the sellers dub. It was, uh, you know what I mean? If they had to sell, there was a reason why they were selling, mm -hmm. you know, whether they were moving, upgrading, moving out of town. So, you know, really the listing and the uh, listing end of it, didn't see an impact, but the sellers definitely were more cautious for sure. I see. No question. Well, uh, we did get the property assessments out uh, recently and kind of in general, as I said, up 7% in Fort St. John. 
what do you see in terms of how this will kind of affect the market going forward? Will it have much of an effect, the property assessed value at all? Or, or uh, do, you, do you see this kind of continuing the cooling trend, I suppose? Well, I was really, to be honest, surprised to see this 7% increase uh-huh. in the tax assessments. Um, one thing I can definitely say for certain is our numbers and stats do not show that. So I'm not sure where BC assessment came up with their numbers, you know, what kind of formulas they used, but we didn't see that uh, in our numbers. So, and uh, typically uh, uh, tax assessments don't affect market value. Mm -hmm. Very rarely over the course of my career, which has been 19 years now, have we seen, there's been a number of years where tax assessments are fairly close to what market value is, but um usually typically they're you know they're out one way or the other Uh so as a realtor we go in and uh you know of course we look at the assessment we don't rely on the assessment we do a market evaluation because the market is too fluid to um it changes consistently and bc assessors are starting their assessment months and months ago you know in order to get everything out for january so they're not current so no i don't see the seven percent this tax assessment will have any impact on uh, our market values it has no bearing on it so then in that case then uh you know looking forward um given kind of as you said inflation and 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 these sort of things what are you kind of expecting for fort st john in the market in the coming year do you think it'll be maybe a tough spring and things will get better or, or is that kind of hard to say beyond that and it all depends on the rate of inflation if it actually really slows down or not well, I foresee, and of course, you know, I'm able to, you know, get reports from top economists, but yeah. Fort St. John itself, we are pretty um, blessed in the fact that when we opened up, we were just coming off of the slowdown in the oil and gas industry. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of inventory on the market going into COVID lockdowns. Mm-hmm. After COVID lockdowns, you know, of course, there was a big influx of people purchasing and but we had to absorb that inventory before our prices increased. We did not see significant price increases like most of the other areas in the province. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a good thing for us because we're not going to see big decreases either. I don't foresee. Now, will it be softer? Absolutely, it's going to be softer. You know what I mean? Buyers are still skeptical. Buyers have to st- qualify for mortgages at a higher rate now, which, you know what I mean? It's, not, it's going to kick out buyers. From the market so and they're going to be very picky when they go in and look they're going to take their time and they're going to be cautious so with that being said do i see you know i see a softening but things are still going to sell uh by you know market's going to continue on uh we're not you know the end of the world's not going to happen though mm-hmm. for sure and it, like, i don't see large decreases or big slumps or you know that type of thing because we, we're fairly stable at this stage. However, with that being said, like you brought it up yourself, if interest rates continue to climb, that will affect us. Um, you know, if sellers decide that, you know, instead of like one, a part of our market is buyers that are sellers that will sell and upgrade. If they decide to hold on because their, uh, their current mortgage is at a low rate and decide not to make the move around, you know, then there's less inventory. So there's lots of factors that are going to play into this current market. But overall, I suspect um, much of the same. You know, 
softer for sure. Sellers have to be very competitive when they come on the market. Buyers are going to have to make sure, you know, they qualify for the newer rates. So with that in mind, uh, you know, I, I thought we'd ask kind of for your advice then for kind of the both sides of the market then. If if you're selling a house or you you are planning on selling your house this coming year uh, for whatever reason, uh, what's kind of the biggest piece of advice you have for that, that person or that couple who, who are planning to do that? Okay. Right off the bat, I would advise them to get a hold of their bank and get a, a payout on their penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes sellers are surprised, you know, they're expecting a smaller penalty. And, and so you've got to know where you stand. That's the first thing off the, off the hop. Then I would be like pre-plan, plan ahead. If you plan on putting it on the market this spring, start repairing, um, all the updates that you put off in the last couple of years, get them done. You know, if you have a hot water tank, that's, you know, nearing the 10 year mark, get it replaced, paint, Freshen up, declutter, clean up. Because when you come on the market, you're going to want to come in strong. And, and one thing also is make sure that you're competitive. Don't overprice. This is not the market for overpricing your home. Because mm-hmm. uh, it could hurt you in the long run if there, we do see a price decrease. So, you know, just plan ahead. Come in strong. Make sure you're the best possible, um, strongest you can be when you come on the market. Because buyers are going to come in. And they're going to look at your house and they're going to look at 20 or 30 more. And they're going to be very particular on what they purchase, Mm -hmm. especially um, repairs that are needed. So, you know, general maintenance, that's a, that's a huge advice I would give the sellers and it may take a bit longer, Mm -hmm. you know, be patient, be patient. (laughs) That's good advice. Be patient. And as far as a buyer goes, they've got to get in there to their banker and their lender Talk to them, <clears throat> see where they qualify. Because where they would have qualified last year is not where they're going to qualify this year. Mm-hmm. So now that's that's the that's the biggest thing for me. They'll be more cautious for sure. And they'll have a, um, a realtor advising them and walking them through step by step there. But for sure, they're going to want to make sure their budget, you know, they're realistic in their budgeting when they're looking. So that would be my advice right off the bat for both both a seller and a buyer. Okay. But don't be afraid to buy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want buyers to be afraid to buy. You know what I mean? You, if you need a home, you need a home. We've been through soft markets before. So, every light goes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, Wynette. Well, we'll leave it there for now, but I really appreciate you uh, taking a few minutes to dig into uh, the situation uh, in the real estate market with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Anytime. Absolutely. Thanks, Deb. You're very welcome. That's uh, Wynette Lowe's, the president of the BC Northern Real Estate Board. My thanks to Amanda Brown and Wynette Wynette Lowe's, pardon me, for joining us today. There's a new show on Moose FM on Sunday afternoons called EnergeticCity.ca Presents. The show features episodes of all the Energetic City podcasts that you love, including Before the Peace, Voices of the Peace, and Secrets of the North. You can just listen to 5 p.m. on Sundays here on Moose FM. Once again, it's called energeticcity.ca presents Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. on Moose FM. Check it out. Well, that's our show for today. Jordan Prentice and Trey Lopashinsky are the producers of Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. Be well.
Thanks for listening to this EnergeticCity.ca podcast. EnergeticCity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join.